This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam, and you have all found me out. The Panther Puri account is really just me. I am also at CF3224 as well as PTP Jacob uh, and Parallel Circle. It's all just me. I just, I, I wanted to see how long I could keep up the charade of playing all sides of, of hockey and just seeing how I could generate all that engagement. I've finally been found out uh, if you've been following on Twitter. And for any of you who have been listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube, uh, the people that I call Alex and TJ are paid actors. Uh, that I that I have brought on to join me just to sell the illusion. It's so just wait. So wait. Does this mean that I'm not getting paid next week? Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm sorry, Mark. I I have to say that I. <laughs> I <laughs> All right. I'm, that's where I lost it. I I'm just glad I'm getting paid. And I'm a real person because I thought for sure I was going to be an artificial simulation and Tommy wasn't real. Oh well, you that made been it the sad. Worst part. Um, <laughs> Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex and TJ, who are actually real people. Uh, and I my handle really is enjoyed... at 3234. Whatever. Three, Shut up. <laughs> no He's one a big cares. fan of I'm Christopher kidding. Stieg and James Reimer. So mm, make sure naturally. to get that right. Um, How fucking dare you. I just, I really enjoyed that little exchange on Twitter where I was arguing with the Panthropy account from my personal and thought to myself, I wonder if anyone thinks that these are both me. And apparently people did. So I actually I actually think that people might want to <laughs> hear this because I was I was not really in the mood to hear it that night, but nobody agrees with me about just like that's just my general philosophy about refereeing decisions. Like review should only overturn stuff that's totally obvious. That was totally obvious, TJ. And and maybe I I think maybe people would enjoy you guys chewing me out for thinking that. Yes, it yeah. was just funny that people thought that everything was me. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. But but let's let's start there because I want to talk about that goalie interference call. What the hell? What the yeah. hell? Yeah, there is yeah. so much precedent that that's a good goal, and uh, all of a sudden it's not. Similar things have been called good goals against the Panthers. And four, and four. I mean, I don't remember the fours as specifically, but I remember from our account tweeting, oh, this is going to be a good goal because of the James Reimer play from a few years ago. And then that then it exactly happened. So, like, the Panthers have been on the right side of it, but, like, they've also been on the wrong side of it a few times. Like, 
most notably in terms of impact was the playoff game with Ross Colton. And to be like when it happened and I saw it and I'm like, Oh, that's a good goal. And it, and I, you know, cited the James Reimer play, but like that was a good goal in the playoffs. And we essentially saw the exact same thing happen last week with Matthew Kachuk. And it was even further outside of the crease than Ross Colton. And all of a sudden it's goalie interference. Like what the hell NHL? You know, I have a theory on this, even though I'm the one saying, like, I understand the call. I ultimately don't think that, like, if if video replay was meant to adjudicate, if it was not meant like it is meant, in my opinion, to only correct obvious mistakes, then that, that was the wrong call. And I, the reason that I think that it was made on the ice and kept is that even if it was outside the crease, if the referees viewed it to be purposeful, non-incidental contact, then they can wave it off for goaltender interference, or it should be considered goaltender interference. <laughs> and this is where who it was that was in front of the net comes into play, because that's Matthew Kuchuk, and he has a reputation, and we'll talk about it. He, he furthered that reputation. So even though I totally don't believe that he meant to elbow quick in the head, because he definitely could have run the risk of getting a, a major penalty or I don't mean major as in five minutes. I mean like a, a penalty that would have impacted the, the game significantly. Look, right? I, and I, I think that's why, honestly, I, 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 I don't want to get into the Kachuk suspension yet, but I'm going to disagree with you that Kachuk's not going to do anything to negatively impact the game because he essentially did with 30 seconds left in a one goal game but we'll talk about that more later, but there's, there's no, I mean, even with Kachuk's history and we know he is because he did it literally later in the game, like there's no way that was intentional. And, you know, the refs on the ice, if you listen to the referee before it went to review, says we have incidental contact that is not worth a penalty on the play, no goal. So you have ruled it incidental contact. Therefore the review is supposed to only be deciding. I mean, well, I guess it's deciding the the review is supposed to be deciding whether or not that contact occurred in the crease or outside of the crease. Because if incidental contact occurs outside of the crease, it's a goal, no matter what. Yeah, that's the precedent. Yeah, and the contact occurred outside of the crease. And when you look at the um, analysis provided by the NHL, they never address it. They never say whether or not the replay changed to non-incidental contact and that, and then technically if it's non-incidental contact, they can award a penalty. So why didn't Kachuk go to the box? It should have been Kachuk going to the box for goalie interference, not a delay of game. So what? The NHL just did a bad job there. And because it was the Panthers and this is not conspiracy theory, anything, it's just, when a bad call happens to a team that no one really cares about, it's really easy to just ignore it and hope it goes away. Hashtag Trocheck was tricked. <laughs> but it's like, but I guess we could leave it there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I totally agree with everything you're saying. I honestly think that you make a better argument than I do. I just, you know, that's just my belief about how replay should work. Like it's gotta be a clear and obvious mistake. I think that 99 out of 100 people would, if they were re-adjudicating, they would say, yeah, that's a good goal. But, you know, ultimately, 
and this was also part of the greater point, that was a game where the right result occurred. Eh. The King, the Kings should have won the game. Yeah. Eh. No, they kind of should have. I mean, no, they, they, they didn't deserve to blow them out, but one goal regulation win, that's pretty much on the nose. Yeah. I, it's just the issue is that that call became a two goal swing. Yes. It's that. And, and it's not, and, and we're not talking about a game where the um, Kings were dominant analytically or shots or whatever. They had a slight advantage. So, yes, if we're going just by like who the who deserves to win a meter. The Kings had a slight deserve to win a meter, but you know, more often than not, when a lesser team has the slight deter- deserve to win a meter, they usually lose. The just because win, the, the deserve to win a meter was uh, about eighty-four to sixteen in favor of the Kings. Yeah, like was the it? X, the XG, which it never really felt like that, despite the fact that it? it did. It did. Yeah, the XG on Money Puck was kind of lopsided. Like I, I sworn I saw it much different than I, then I take back all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's an unfortunate thing that y- you mentioned specifically the deserve to win o meter because yeah, if, if that's money, the case, puck I was, yeah, money puck had a weird view of this game, but even though they gave the Panthers, let me see, uh, pretty much 0.9 or maybe even a full expected goal from their six on five flurry, which like that, I know people were upset about how the game went and I couldn't say anything about it at the time because I would have gotten pilloried or pil- pillared. What's the word? I don't even, who cares? I have no idea what fancy word you're trying to use. Yeah, I have no six, idea. Six, The six on five looked awesome. Oh, they looked, looked fantastic. They looked incredible. It looks like they generate, according to Money Puck's model, they generated a... Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, like, about, it was like about a full a expected... about, about a full XG. Yeah, Barkov missed an open net. Reinhardt hit the post. Like, coulda, shoulda, woulda. In that situation, you know, ultimately you lose against the Kings on their home ice. Nothing to really cry about. That's a yeah, good team. The Kings are a good team this year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I need to defend myself on being so sure. wrong on the deserve to win a meter. That game occurred Saturday night at 1030. Yeah. At that point, I had been drinking so heavily. I needed the halftime <laughs> score of the UMFSU game to read three to three instead of 35 to three. So that's why my analysis of the panthers game afterward is so bad we we've all been there yeah but i had a Um, great time at the tailgate good other than miami getting blown out i imagine honestly i was expecting it so again i had a great time at the tailgate it's a good good way to live so just to go over a couple of things here beyond the la game because i think we're pretty much done matthew kachuk we got to talk about yeah we already do that no the suspension not really so we kind of acknowledged what he did, you know, he turns his stick blade or what would you call it? He turns his stick blade. Yeah. He turns his stick blade. He has the, the edge side that's not connected to the stick facing quick face. Yeah. The toe and the edge he... side that's not connected to the stick. If any of our listeners have ever needed proof, that TJ has never played hockey. Just just clip that. Yeah. Just, just take that little clip, and that's all you need. Yep. Uh, You're saying this like you played hockey beyond I, like age 11. Fair, but I also know that that's called a toe. I knew at one point. I just often forget words. <laughs> 
either way, that's immaterial. What is material is that. Also, this was I was a rec league all star at 11 years old, so careful. Suck at Trebek. So he takes the toe and he kind of just like moves it towards Quick's face, no, going put, through his goalie mask. He puts it through the cat eye of the goalie mask. Let's yeah. call a spade a spade. He puts it through the, the cat eye of the goalie mask and he puts it barely in, not enough that it would come close to actually hitting quick in the face, but enough that like as a goalie, you're going to be, oh shit, like you're going to kind of like get that jump scare effect because there's something where it's not supposed to be and it's right in your eye line. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell if it was close to his face. I can, I can. Okay. I, remember, I'll take your word for it. Play, play, of play the goal union. I never wore a cat eye mask, but like I know how far away the actual cage is from my eyes, and it is not the centimeter or two in length of the toe that got into the cat eye. Yeah, but I mean, if quick quick starts leaning in, then that can be bad, right? Yeah, and you know, it was a horrible play. I'm just saying the reaction we got. I'm trying to point out is the reaction we got from quick, where he is like diving onto the ice holding his face holding a towel against his eye like there's supposed to be blood gushing everywhere was complete fiction he just wanted everyone to know what kachuk did and i mean i might as well just give my impression of it now two games they could have made it five yeah that was an intent to injure play it doesn't matter what actually occurred kachuk stuck his stick into the eye area of an opposing player. It does not matter. He did it intentionally. It doesn't matter whether he made contact or not. That's a dirty play and has no business in the game of hockey. Yeah, and you know, like, if you start doing that and your your team doesn't have an issue with it, like, you, if you can't reprimand it as a team, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be turned on your head. Somebody's going to be putting the toe of their blade through Bobrovsky or Knight's mask. And yeah. they might suffer more serious consequences than Quick. And, you know, what's kind of funny is that they probably wouldn't react as strongly even if there were serious consequences. Oh, you yeah. know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it, it's more like, I just want to make sure, like, we at least, like, Kachuk, what Kachuk did was really dirty, but, like, Quick yeah. sold the hell out of that. Don't, yeah. there's no need to defend this. Like, the, the quick, the quick angle of this is, is, like I said, pretty immaterial. Like, yeah, Chuck did what he did. Like, they didn't focus on Quick in the suspension video. And frankly, the only reason they could give for it only being two games is that there was minimal force. He was kind of yeah. just like, like slowly moving it in. Yeah, he put it there to be a rat, not to yeah, he not to actually cause serious damage. But it doesn't matter. You intentionally it, put it could have caused serious yeah. damage, and I mean you didn't gonna, make sure, but it could have. I'm gonna segue into it. I don't know if you've seen it yet, TJ, but Jacob and I just watched it. Um, perfect example is Evander Kane tonight. Did you see it yet, TJ? I haven't seen it, but I'm aware of what happened, and that was an accident, right? Right, that was an accident. But this, but these are the things that can happen on in an ice hockey game when yeah. people are in vulnerable positions. And Evander Kane got his wrist slit by a skate blade from Pat Maroon, completely accidental. Same way, you know, Richard Zednick got his, you know, throat slashed 
in a completely freak accident type play, but like, yeah, Darcy Kemper in the playoffs last year, got his eye poked accidentally. Uh, John Tavares in the bubble accidental, you know, concussion or whatever it was exactly that knocked him out for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. Right. But when you make dangerous plays, dangerous things can happen. And Kachuk was rightfully suspended. Any, there's no, defending what happened no no you 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 can't tolerate that as a team for the reasons that i said like that's something that really should be beyond the pale and like you know i don't have a problem with him like you know that slash on kucherov for example in the tampa game not i don't have a problem with that at all you know yeah it it was rightfully given as a penalty but you know what like he kind of flopped and also he's a he's Kucherov like you you know what kind of guy he is you got to let him know that you're there and that you're not going to tolerate him being a Kucherov type player right that (laughs) was a typical hockey chippy play where like you know a slash to a heavily padded shoulder really isn't going to do much damage but like you know yes it deserves a penalty it's, it's, there's two different ways you can agitate. One is that way, and one is a way that can cause permanent damage to someone out, off the rink as well as on. Yeah. And do you want to talk about the Josh Anderson thing in comparison, getting two games as well? Did you feel like that was any more or less like uh, suspendable, I guess? I'll be honest. I didn't see a Josh Anderson thing. It was a pretty obvious board. That was yeah. Uh, it was two gruesome. games was about right. Yeah, the way that they there's discipline in this league. Two games is always going to be what that you know yeah. the, the result of that. It, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Especially because he's a first time offender, right? Yeah. Kachuk was not a first time offender, which did make no, the no. light suspension here pretty interesting. No, and that's one thing to keep an eye on is, you know, we've talked about it a thousand times. The Panthers have their own Brad Marchand. Like, this is a guy who's going to be in trouble with the NHL at least once a season. Yeah, he's going to play on the edge, and sometimes that means he's going to go over the edge. You can't always – if you never go over the edge, then, like, you can't really claim to be on the edge. You're too far away from it to ever risk going over. So that's the risk that you run. Personally, I would rather him just never be – that close to the edge, you know, I feel like it doesn't really do you that much good. It can only really do you harm, but I'm often disagreed with on this. So maybe my opinion is skewed by not having that actual in-game context where a real NHL player will be able to tell you the impact of somebody being on the edge. It's tough I to mean, say from the side. Yeah, that's, that's just who Matthew Kachuk is. That's the player we signed up for. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to be surprised by. No. Nor do I think there's anything to be upset by. Well, this was too far. Yes. Occasionally, too far is going to happen. I think that you can say Matthew Kachuk will be Matthew Kachuk is not necessarily what's going to happen. Like, you can you can get him to stop doing dumb shit like this. I That's think. fair. I, I think that you can get him to cut out dumb shit from his game. I think that you can get him to do something that maybe will annoy quick just as much that doesn't have any potential to be more than just annoying. I agree. I think that we can wrap it up there. What is next? Awkward transition. Yeah, so if we're if we're more or less done talking about Kachuk, then I want to move on to something that's actually going well lately. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is, surprisingly, the Panthers' teams. 
Uh, I recall very vividly last time we recorded, uh, the Panthers had four power play goals for and yes. 11 penalty, 11 power play goals against. Uh, mm-hmm. They are now up to seven, four and 13 against, meaning they have uh, the power play has outscored the penalty kill three to two uh, since our last recording. So that's neat. Good job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an improvement. I mean, the power play is starting to look better. Montour is looking more comfortable as the power play quarterback. They've scored, what, three goals off, off of Montour slap shots? Whether it's him or a deflection, like three or four goals in the past couple of games. Obviously, the Kachuk goal, no goal, not a not, – not a – not included. Not yeah, notwithstanding. There's the word. But, yeah, it's it's just – it's getting better. The power, the penalty kill, still is eh. Uh, yeah. But you know, all right, it's gotten slightly better. But they also didn't really play the hardest of teams this road trip. So. Yeah, and that was the the thing that was kind of the offset of like, oh, look at the analytics. You know, the Panthers are the third best five on five score adjusted Corsi team. And, you know, the XG in the games that they lose is heavily in their favor. But at the same time, we're talking about, you know, two games against the Flyers, a game against the Blackhawks, a game against the Coyotes, a game against the Sharks, a game against the Ducks, where they haven't played the Leafs. They haven't played Carolina. No, I guess that they, yeah, they haven't played Carolina. I was going to say the Bruins, but they did actually play the Bruins. And, you know, they haven't played some of these better uh, metropolitan teams. You mentioned the Canes. There's also the chance that Shesterkin steals points from you, even though I'm yeah. kind of iffy on the Rangers. If they keep playing like this, though, I'm going to have to change my mind because their analytics are fantastic right now. Hmm, weird. I wonder. Uh, I wonder which of us would have was able to predict that. It's so the... bizarre because they're they're not winning, but they have way better analytics than they did last year. It's like a total 180. No, because Shesterkin's been mortal. Yeah, I like... guess so. Which is is sad. Like he was on pace to be the best goalie of this era. And that's not necessarily me. That's not necessarily me saying now it's vastly sad face, but like he was, he was putting up otherworldly numbers arguably would have entered that like top five goalie conversation of all time. If he kept up the pace that he went on last season. And that's a lot to ask because what he did last season was like maybe a top three or four, goaltending season in the 21st century oh absolutely hard to keep that up though not easy yeah uh, it's it's been very frustrating that the panthers have had such a soft schedule have deserved good results in more games than they than not and not gotten them so yeah but that just means that they're gonna crush the teams that are theoretically better than them yeah, and and, and like you guys know how this works. They yeah. play to the level of their competition. In reality, the NHL just has a lot of parody. That was that's uh, what I would say. That's what they want you to say. No, look, because these are teams that the Panthers should have. Like last year's team with last year's you know shooting percentages are winning games against Anaheim and Arizona. You know, five two comfortably. Or, you know, they get down early and they're still winning, you know, 4-3 late, but, like, they were down 3-0 two minutes into the game. 
like they're just not getting the shooting luck. And this is not like, this is hard numbers. Uh, you know, I want I want to get into analytics a bit in the I mean, not that we're not always talking about analytics, but like the numbers pretty heavily favor that the Panthers have been a very good team in terms of process this year. They're just not getting results for whatever reason. They're not getting goaltending. Their shootings actually started to come around, but like they're not getting goaltending and they're, but they're not, but they're not giving up quality. Like it, it's kind yeah, of a couple of, of games, notwithstanding, as we said before, like they gave up a lot of quality against Boston for reasons that should be obvious, like for defensemen Boston is an excellent team. They gave up a bunch of quality against LA and, you know, part of that is LA is pretty good. Part of that is also, it was an outlier performance, probably their worst of the season. You know, again, the Boston game, we have to take into account that they only had four defensemen. They didn't look very good in that game, but they only had four defensemen. And, you know, in, in the rest of the games, re- really, like, the Kings game, Bruins game, and the, the Lightning game are the only three there where I feel like it would be fair to say that they deserve to lose, potentially. Like, the Lightning yeah, game also, was more of a coin Again, flag. against the Bruins, and like we talked about this last time, against the Bruins, they were also playing with four defensemen. Yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned that yet, so... I do want to mention that they were playing with four defensemen against the Bruins. No, we we did. We talked about that yeah. last episode. Yeah. Mo- no, Mont- I was joking because I was just talking about it. Montour missed Montour missed the game, and then Ekblad was hurt early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those those guys are are two guys that are pretty important. Like if they lose Kierstead and Stahl, you could say like you know they're playing with four defensemen, but towards the end of the game, these are probably the only four defensemen they're putting on the ice. Whereas that was the opposite in the in the Bruins game they had to ride Mark Stahl and we saw that that was not really a good idea cuz he got burned by David Pasternak in normal like, circumstances they wouldn't be putting Stahl out against Pasternak you know yeah. even as pessimistic as you could possibly be about how much Paul Maurice likes using Mark Stahl it would not be fair to argue that he thinks that's the matchup he wants Paul, Mark Stahl against David Pasternak yeah, and and that's another thing. I mean, briefly, to, and it was, I think in the Kings game went during the five on three, when the Panthers had because Forsling and uh, and Montour were in the box. It was Gudis and Stahl, along with Barkov in the five on three. And I don't want to get into who's at fault for that goal, but it was like, why is Mark Stahl out there? It's like the op- yeah. other options were Mahura and Kirsted, like, or actually it was Carlson that night. Josh Mahura would have been able to stop. No, uh, Carlson played against the Coyotes. Excuse me, you're right. So it was Carlson, it was Kirsten and Mahura. Not guys who are really great defensively in terms of PK situations throughout their career. Josh Mahura can do a, can't do anything wrong. I mean, I don't disagree. So how I'm, dare you? I'm just saying, like, if there's one time I understand him going to Mark Stahl, it's when Forsling and Montour are in the box. Yeah, I understand it, but at the same time, I did feel like that he was just totally lost on that play. Like, the one thing that I would have expected Mark Stahl to do is read that play and kind of be able to predict what was going to happen. And it didn't seem like that he was doing that. But That was Barkov's job. All right, fair enough. It it just didn't seem like he expected the one-timer when, like, I knew two passes before that the one-timer was coming from Arvidsson. Right, but it's not his job. 
that was Barkov's pass to defend. Yeah. They the, the pass should never be going from the left point to the right to the guy on the right side at the goal not, line. Not point, face-off dot, or you know, top right. of the face-off circle. Right. It should never be going from the left face-off circle to the guy at the on the right side of the net. It needs to be like you need to be forcing that pass to go from the left face-off circle to the right face-off circle, then to the guy down low. How do you do that? You keep your stick in the middle. Barkov was defending the pass to the left face-off circle or for, not, from the left face-off circle dangerous. to the right face-off circle, which is not a dangerous pass. And even if it is a – like, even if it is a one-timer, you'd much rather give up a one-timer from the face-off circle than from right in front of the net. Yep. Yep. So that's why it's that goal was on Barkov. And I do feel like individual goals shouldn't be relitigated too much. So I think that we can move on from that. But – um. The San Jose game, I feel like we haven't talked about it all. Any, we haven't, and the the big thing that I want to talk about from that, which is something I was considering leading with and would have been the lead of this episode had I not been able to play the joke about uh, about me being everything. Um, Sam Reinhardt scored a goal and then also another one. I said Sharks just for the record, but like that, we should talk Fuck. about that. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> no, like that that's more important mm-hmm. than anything that happened in the Sharks game. Because Sam Reinhardt's off the Schneid. The Shark fucking whatever. The Sharks beat the Panthers. They shouldn't have. It sucked. Um that was actually a shootout win, but you know. <laughs> it did feel like a loss. Yeah, it did, it feel, did like feel like a like... loss. Um, um did I tweet something to that effect? Did Alex, I say like this, this did, doesn't did we feel like... get your did oh, we get no, your take? Was, okay. What it is is we were behind. Uh-huh. And we we scored a we scored with, or, hey, with an scored empty net, left with an empty net, and I tweeted something to the effect of celebrating this feels disingenuous because you shouldn't need a late a, a late game come a late game empty net goal to tie the Sharks or something like that. So I might have just internalized that as a loss because I was upset that we needed to go as far as we did. Oh, yeah. Let me take back what I said about the Kings game being the worst performance of the season because that was unequivocally the worst performance. Yeah, the Sharks game was terrible. They, I mean, it should have gone to overtime, but, you know, they put themselves in a position where one bad bounce, which kind of happened, and I want Alex's opinion on that third Sharks goal as the resident goalie union member, but that was kind of a bad bounce. And all of a sudden you're in a situation where you might lose in regulation to the Sharks and kind of deserve it. And that's that's not good because the Sharks, they started their season losing twice in regulation to the Predators, and then they immediately lost in regulation to the Blackhawks, which, you know, the Panthers did that as well. But, I mean, come on. If, you, if you're starting to do it like every single game, not necessarily a good team. And Panthers didn't make them look like the bad team that they are that night. So, Alex, your opinion on that third goal? I'm stalling because I need to find that goal because I just don't remember it. Oh yeah, like this was Thursday. So, what about the the first goal that the sh- the Ducks scored on Spencer Knight? While I pull I, up a clip, I noticed. The... I, I'm already at, almost at the clip. I did notice that deflection. So, anytime a puck's deflected, it's it's really hard because, like you know, especially when we're watching it on replays, we're always getting a slow mo replay. So you think like, oh yeah, this goalie had a lot of time to you know adjust to that deflection. But, like, in real life, it's a second, a second and a half from when that shot is released to when it's, you know, at the goalie. So, yeah. 
you so really... the deflection you cut that in half right you're talking about not even a second a half well, a second well it's 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 not even that it's you're reading the shot off of like the initial shot like you're basically okay, have yeah. to know where it's going to go and now the fact that it's changed like if you're going up you now got to go down like you've got it yeah like you're making a whole lot of body mo- motion changes in a split second and yeah the best goalies in the world can do it and if there's one you're going to be able to adjust to, it's a, a far out, you know, snapshot from the as far away as possible that's in the zone. And then a deflection from pretty far out. Like, yes, you want your NHL goalie to stop that, especially a guy you have high hopes for. But it's not a soft goal. It's it's one of those where it's like, hey, you're you're going to be a star in the NHL. Like, make that save nine out of ten times. Didn't happen. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So you, you pulled up the shark school. Uh, I'm about to watch it now. Just all right. So you're seeing it live, even though you probably saw it live. I uh, hold on. It's actually you're Dude, very da, specifically da, not da, seeing da, it da, live. Da, you're seeing it recorded. Da, 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 Is it da, da, da. the Benning goal, right? Yes. Okay, I remember the Carlson one. That was a good shot. Oh yeah, Carlson just sniped it. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I no mean, that. That goal is unacceptable. <laughs> okay. That goal. So is... not a bad bounce. Maybe he was kind of screened a little. Little bit, but like. Just get just... down. Just get down. Well, low blocker is the hardest place to stop a shot. I want to see if we get a different angle. Like, because I'm, you know, just the angle I have is not the best, but like that far out, a snapshot, some traffic, like. That's not even a, oh, like you want your star goalie to make that save. Like, no, you're in the NHL, make that save. You know, yeah. they weren't playing, you know, college hockey or whatever. There really wasn't even much of a screen. There was some traffic, but it was off to the side. Yeah. Hold on. Here's a decent angle. Okay. Wait, they- wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Cause I'm watching the last angle. That's the best one. Did it go through some people? Okay. Yeah. No, that's. That's some really good luck. It goes between for Hagee and yeah. Okay. I, I have a little bit more sympathy for that goal because it goes literally between the three screeners in front. I thought it went to the right of Hagee, went to the left of him. Okay. Um, I'll give Bob, I'll give Bob a pass there. You basically lose sight of the puck a fraction of a second before it gets to you. Um, yeah, it didn't hit anything, but when you lose sight of the puck, shit happens yeah bad luck the panthers had gotten deflected goals in games you know prior to that one but that was the ducks game i mean sorry the ducks game was really the first time that we saw the panthers to get this kind of luck because montour scored a goal that was ultimately credited to him where it kind of just like snuck into the net he took a like a a speculative shot as they like to say and it, it just happened to find its way in and that was the luck that they weren't getting. And hopefully, you know, when they start getting that luck, that means they're going to get some W's. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the strategy now. It's get pucks on net from every angle. Um, I don't know if any you guys want to spend much time talking about that, but that's that's the that's the way Paul Maurice wants to play. It's less less fancy, more grit. And I know that word is basically taboo here, but he wants this team to be creating dirty <laughs> it's goals. It's not that it's taboo. 
I wouldn't even it's, say grit. I wouldn't say that. I would, and it's not that it's taboo. It's that it should never be the primary reason that you have a player. Yeah. It should be secondary to them being good at hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, though, that the Panthers aren't just shooting from the point all the time. Yes. They're getting a lot of good shots in the slot. And I'll send you guys the hockey viz chart for reference because I think it, it illustrates what I'm talking about. They get they get a good volume of shots from the home plate area. They do. but And I know the chart you're about to send, and you should tweet it out anyway. But, like, and I know you have already from the main account. But, like, last year's chart was, like, deep, deep red right in front of the net and pretty standard everywhere else. This year, it's there's a little there's a lot more blue at, like right in front of the net That's and true. and a lot more red from the point area which isn't the worst thing in the world there's but like, there's some real deep red in the in the low slot the low slot yeah that's where they yeah. seem to be getting a lot they like have worked it behind the net and then they send it in front it seems like a lot and reinhardt has missed like five or six chances like that Barkov which I, f- a I feel like, chances. Yeah, Holy I feel shit, like those guys. are going to turn into goals. What? Across all situations, the Panthers lead the league and expected goals for per 60 minutes. Yeah. That's why these results are so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And that's why I... I, I knew wanna... they were, like, high up. I didn't realize they were first. Well, I'm not going to complain about it if they're scoring five goals a game. You know, four, second four plus an empty net or even. second expected goals for per 60 minutes at five on five. And that's going to be... When they play the Devils, everybody should be good game. Clear, clear your schedule. That's going to be two and a half hours of just high quality entertainment. Ideally, yeah, but like it also might not be. The Panthers' offense is going to come around. It just has to because not only are they generating quality, they have shooting talent. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very serious. Like both Sam's finally broke through. I know Bennett already had a goal, but both Sam's scored against yeah. Anaheim. Reinhardt he did not. Through. He did not look good prior to that. So it was no. really important. I feel like I to have get people him going. asking me on Twitter, like, "Hey, what the hell's going on with Sam Bennett?" Like, I literally had someone ask me that on Twitter. And it, um, it was also before the goal where I felt like Sam Bennett was being more of the Sam Bennett power. Just like that imposing figure in the middle of the ice that's so hard. It's so hard to find players that control the middle of the ice like that. It's why wingers are so much easier to get on the trade market. And you see guys like Max Pacioretty get traded for nothing. Where Sam Bennett, who had no real success at the NHL level, just had the pedigree, got traded for two second round picks despite, you know, having kind of a high cap hit for the player that he was at that point. Like the, the hope that they can become this kind of imposing figure in the middle of the ice and get to the front of the net with ease and, you know, fuck shit up for lack of a better term. It's really, it's really pivotal. And like, you need Bennett to be playing with that kind of confidence, kind of be like a battering ram. Yeah. And he finally showed a little bit of that in the Anaheim game, whereas, this year, we really haven't seen a heck of a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Reinhardt got one, and then Reinhardt also got the empty net, mm-hmm. uh, which I know people make a fuss over empty net goals. I'm just going to consider it a makeup goal for one of the many oh, that yeah. he should have scored on a goalie. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, he wanted that empty net goal bad. He wanted it so bad. And he got it. And look, Sam Reinhardt's got two goals now. His shooting percentage is going to continue increasing. I, have, I really think that the Anaheim... I want to give him props because he was busting his ass to get to that puck. And then once he got there for the camera, he kind of played it cool. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good like, job. Good job. Like, Hold on. I, I, have, go back I, have, and watch that. I have never seen someone bust it so hard for an empty net goal that had no purpose. Because, like, the game was over. Everyone else had stopped skating. He was just like, nah, I need this one. I need it. He was like, my stats, bitch. Yeah. No, but I really think that the the Anaheim game was uh, a signifier game that things are about to turn around for the Panthers. I'm very excited. Yeah, you you saw some things change, like I was talking about with Bennett. And another thing that I wanted to talk about is that the fourth line started to look not terrible and this was this was an issue like in previous games fourth line's been getting caved giving up goals like i know we want to say oh the fourth line what does it matter it matters when you're getting out attempted 20 to 1 and you're getting outscored two to nothing it's like if you can't get your top line to outscore the other team's top line two to nothing you're going to notice when your fourth line is getting outscored two to nothing and that finally didn't happen in this game. The fourth line finally looked decent. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I would say that. What, um, you don't think it looked that good in that game? Or do you think that they weren't getting think, saved in previously? I don't think that they've been that awful. In in the On this trip, the fourth line has oh, been yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty bad. Holy crap. I have never seen that before in my life. Is anyone else watching... Oh my god! Is, is anyone else watching this uh, Oilers uh, Lightning game? No, clearly not. So Baroon almost tied the game, but the puck literally turns over and like. So imagine this is the puck; it turns over on its side like this along the goal line and gets knocked out. So it never crosses because it went horizontal. That's good. Fuck Pat Maroon. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But like I've just never like seen like because the puck because the puck turned on its side and then literally went parallel to the goal line, it didn't cross. Um, um TJ while we're talking about forgot, other teams. I also oh, forgot go ahead. that I also forgot that Eric Stahl has been playing lately. Uh, yeah, and that's on one of puck, line. Uh, on money puck. Uh Eric Stahl only has data for one line. It's the Lomberg Stahl Hornquist not line. Now, for oh, context, yeah. Lomberg Cousins Hornquist. Our worst line, sure, 52% XG. Not bad. No. Lomberg stall Hornquist, all you're doing there is swapping out Cousins for Stahl? 29.2. Yeah. Ouch. It's... Yeah, I mean... Granted, it's, it's... in 19 minutes together, but like... 19 Jesus. minutes isn't nothing. It's not nothing, but it's not a lot. It's not it, yeah, a it's, significant Yeah, it's like two size. games. Once you replaced Hornquist and Lomberg with Balsers and, and Heponiemi, it did feel like that had a difference. Now, maybe it's just that the Ducks have no forward depth. I, you know, that could totally be the case here. But, but, like, fourth line can't get that badly outplayed. If any of your lines are getting that badly outplayed, you're going to have a tough time, you know, overcoming that. And, you you know, you just it just can't drown you. And maybe it is just that Eric Stahl is just that bad and you have to replace him. Sorry. I'm not going to I'm not going to just reach that conclusion now. There's plenty of evidence to make it like a a hypothesis, sure, but I'm not going to say that's the only reason. 
let, let's let's use a different word. Not that I have a lot of love for Eric Stahl, but he is a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player. Let's just use the yes. term washed. He's not bad. He's just washed. Yeah, I don't think Stahl is a Hall of Famer. Stahl, Stahl is Stahl is like yeah. prime Hall of very good. Okay, that, yeah. that's fine. Either way, it's it's a guy like you know who who's going to have his name in the rafters in the Carolina and absolutely should like he's had a very good career very he's, very good career he's just washed if he yeah. if he had played his full career with a big market team or a canadian team i think he would be in the hall of fame yeah, and i don't even think that's true i i i think it is well, with the same I think exact that he has like and, three, and i and i know that team yeah I know that he like won two Selkie well, trophies, but I think he has like three hundred so. more points than Eric Stahl never won a Selkie. No, I'm talking about oh Taves. Okay, yeah, Taves had the Selkie and the defensive stuff, but I think that Eric Stahl has three hundred more points, and the age difference isn't that big. I think it's like Let's two see. years, three years. Jonathan Taves is uh, April of 1988. Eric Stahl is October of 1984. Okay, so, so there's it's about four three years. and a half years between them. He's not going to score 150 points. Jonathan Taves has years. three Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe, two Selkies. <laughs> yeah, and Stahl does have a, a Stanley uh, Cup. And he 861 was... points in 1,026 games. Mm-hmm. Stahl has zero individual hardware, but does have a Stanley Cup to his name. Uh-huh. Uh, 1,034 points in 1,299 games. Okay, so never never mind that. Hollow, very good. Either way, moving on from Eric Stahl. Like, yeah, and honestly, like we've had this conversation very briefly before. Um, one Stanley Cup and no other individual hardware. It's real hard to get into the Hall of Fame with that yeah. resume. Like the only the only definitive exception that I can think of is Roberto Luongo. Yeah, he had the gold medal. Hollow, very good. Hollow, very good, and going to get his number retired in carolina speaking of numbers getting retired (laughs) did you see who got who's getting his number retired by the ottawa senators i did it's hilarious and stupid you guys want to know by the the way before you say the name you want you okay you guys want to know a stat guess what the ottawa senators record in their last six games is this is oh and six be more specific please oh and six Oh five and one. Do you remember how the NHL standings work? Oh blank, blank, and blank. Oh six and oh. Jake? Yeah, oh six and oh. That is correct. The Ottawa Senators are oh so six fuck and you in their last telling us to games. be more specific when we were saying. Well, and the six. fact that they don't oh even have six. a loser point but is that, that's what I that's what I was implying. I was saying no no wins, six losses. If they had overtime losses, I would have specified oh six and uh, for yeah. the record, Jonathan Taves' points per game pace is higher than Eric Stahl's. Also, right, we, let's, we let's take a brief victory lap because there's one team that has an even <laughs> because longer the streak. Are in last place in the Atlantic? No, no. Because there's one team that has an even longer streak of regulation losses, and we all had their under, the St. Louis Blues. Let's go! That. Yeah, that team I, is just lost. That... that the roster build there, man. Like going into the season with your top defenseman being washed, you know. Um, I always forget this guy's name. Corey the, or Justin Falk. 
Nope, neither of them. Pareko? The big the Pareko. Oh, I always forget his name. God, I'm I sorry, Colton Pareko. When you were in your prime, you were a hell of a player, and I really should be. He's only like 27 years old. But he's the injuries, man. Injuries. Pole. Like he's he's already washed. It's unfortunate. Like oh no, he's 20. Oh wow, Pareko's older than me. I did not realize. Yeah, that. he's I a little. He was... He's a little bit older than he, he was. Is... Over... TJ, I don't know how much you care about people knowing your birthday. He is one day older than you. Yeah, I. I was no, about two, to say. Sorry. I think he was no two days younger. He's two days younger than you. He was born on my brother's birthday. He's then. one day younger. He's one day older than Adrian. Okay, can, can we go back to the jersey retirements? Yeah, now? let's talk about Chris. Because okay, no I, fucking I, I shut stats. the fuck up, TJ. Um, okay. right, no, no, edit that so, out. Edit that out. No, no, we're starting over. Ottawa, Ottawa is is retiring a jersey. Uh huh. Uh, do we want to say the number or do we want to read off the stats entirely? Well, the stats. You got to read the stats. Okay. So this player, in one thousand and twenty six games, all with Ottawa, good career by all accounts. Yeah. A thousand yeah, really. NHL games with one team, not bad, right? This player yeah. scored 112 goals, 138 assists for a total of <laughs> 250 points in 1,026 hey, games. Uh, Jake, Jake, just, it's not bad on, for a defenseman. It's not bad for a defenseman. That's, that's, I was about to say, I want to make it perfectly clear this player is not a defenseman. <laughs> Guys, that's a point. 112 ever- goals. 138 assists, 250 points in 1,026 games. This person, not only does he not have any individual hardware, he's never even gotten a vote for an award. Uh, And, of course, he's never been a Stanley Cup champion, as Ottawa has not won a Stanley Cup during his 1,000-game career with them. Uh, The one thing that this player is doing at a point per game pace actually a two point a two two per game pace rather uh is in 1026 games played this player has 2522 penalty minutes ladies and gentlemen the ottawa senators are retiring chris neal's number 25 (laughs) this is like if the panthers retired Ryan Lomberg's number in 15 years. No, Excuse me. No, Hold it's Paul Laws. It's Paul Laws. They retired do, Paul Laws. Also, do not disrespect overtime, playoff overtime game winning goal scorer Ryan Lomberg. I, I feel like, like, like you're disrespecting Chris Neal by saying that he doesn't hold up to Lomberg, though. Because Chris Neal wasn't, he wasn't Paul Laws. He wasn't. Yes, he was. Um, His career high in points was 33. Paul Laws had like a high of 10, though, right? Like he, Paul Laws was a defenseman. Yeah, so <laughs> this is this is sort of the point, and he's Paul not like uh, at seventy-two points. Who who was Boog- who was Bugner's favorite enforcer? Career. Michael Haley, right? Michael Haley, yeah. yeah. Chris Neal was not Michael Haley. He could play. He was more like a Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck type of player. Which now that I think about it, those guys might get their number retired on the island. No. I mean, come on. Look, I guess the Islanders. Michael do have Haley it. has 32 points in 274 games and 692 yeah, so, penalty minutes. Yeah. So that Chris Neal is way better than him. Like, clearly. Clearly. Guys, Chris Neal has more fights than he does goals and assists. Individually, and like, yeah, the NHL sometimes needs that kind of player. But you don't, I don't think you retire that jersey number. number. Right. Yeah. 
Is there anybody You're in the league You're not going to let anyone in Ottawa ever wear number 25 again because Chris Neal got into 300 fights per season. Has, has anybody ever retired an enforcer's number? I'm trying to think of one, and I can't. I, I can't. Like, Tony Twist. Uh, Is Ty Domi's number retired? I, I don't, don't think so. What about uh, May in uh, Buffalo? Possible. List of retired jersey numbers in NHL. You Let's know the Rangers see. should retire Merrick Malik's number just because of that shootout goal. All right. Yes, they should. Um, all right. Stop me when something jumps out. Sid uh-huh. Abel, Daniel Alfredson, Glenn Anderson, Sil Apps, George Armstrong, Barry Ashby, Ace Bailey, Bill Barber, Bill Barrico, Andy Bathgate, John Bellow. I don't know Rob who Blake, these people Mike are. Fossey. You don't know who Mike Bossy is? No, I know who Mike Bossy is. I know, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, Bouchard, like, don't go Ray through the Borg, Johnny Bauer, shut up, Alex, we're doing this. Michael Briere, Rod Brindamore, Turk Broda, Martin Bruder, uh, Neil Broughton, Dustin Brown's jersey is planned to be retired. Uh, he's not- oh, he, yeah, absolutely deserving. Come on. Yeah, he's not Dustin an enforcer. Brown, uh, Dustin Brown was really good. Stanley Cup champion, Dustin Brown, Los Stanley Angeles Cup- Kings captain, Justin captain. Brown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Johnny Busick, Pavel Bure, King Clancy, Dick Clapp. Dick Clapper. <laughs> I'm laughing at your reaction, by the way. I just love that. The Boston can't... Bruins retired Dick Clapper's number five on February 12th, 1947. That's such a good name. It's a shame that he didn't play 50 years later. Because otherwise Clapper. you would never hear the, uh, uh, the end. Wendell Clark, Bobby Clark, Paul Coffey, Charlie Conacher, Yvonne Cor- Who is Charlie Conacher? Charlie Conacher is a Maple Leafs player whose jersey number nine. Okay, was he's just really old. Leafs. He's just a really old guy. Uh, yeah, he died in 1967. Um, Jeez. Half Day, Alex Delvecchio of Backyard Sports fame, uh, Marcel Dion, Shane Doan, Ken Dryden, Patrick Eliash. Jake, uh, I can't leave this whole knows. thing in the episode. Can you yes, cut to you the point? You fucking can. The po- <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> just what you should do is just have like. Stretch the world's slowest fade out over this entire bit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start no, the just... fade out now. Okay, what about Milan Hayduk? Does he count as an enforcer? No, not at all. Uh, he Osa, was like a decent Al. player. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I think it would be kind of unfair to say Chris Neal was an enforcer. Oh, but like, wild, if you're retiring his number. Koibu's number in March. That's nice. Yeah, but Miko Kovu was a real good player. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I didn't uh, I didn't realize that they retired his number. That's, I like that. I like Miko Kovu. Uh Trevor Linden. He was a pretty good player. No, that's You're you're getting into the territory with Trevor Linden, I think. Trevor yeah. Linden. Eh, no, nah, he had, well, oh yeah, uh Trevor Linden had more pims than points. He was he was no slouch in points, but I mean Chris Dale had 2,500 pins. Nobody has that many points. <laughs> That's true. Gretzky's the only one who has more. More than 2,000. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Does he have more than 2,500 points? Yeah, doesn't he? Isn't it like 28-something? Yeah, you're probably right, honestly. I, I should not doubt Gretzky because, you know, the, the numbers were just comical. I'm not breaking any news to anybody by saying that. So I don't, I don't feel like I need to comment for including playoffs. Gretzky had 3,239 career points, uh, but people don't include playoffs, which is kind of funny. But when that's you think still about it. Cause nutty. like every, everybody is like, you'll, you know, 
the XY player is not a playoff performer and you really want a playoff performer. And whereas like when we talk about players like in the past, we never mention playoff stats. It's always regular season only. Gretzky had 894 goals and 1,963 assists for a total of 2,857 points. Does Connor McDavid get to 1,900 points? Do you guys think? Connor McDavid might get to 200 points this year. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how he, how healthy he stays. Chris Pronger, one of my favorite players growing up. Oh, he um, was awesome. Come on. I know he ruled, but 1,600 pims over 700 points in 1,100 games, you're getting into that territory. Like, yes. Well, that was just again, what an, Chris a Pronger, defenseman was One of my favorite players then. of all time. Literally, I was just... Getting into enforcer territory a little bit there i i was no and chris Pronger was not an enforcer come on man he was a extremely physical defenseman who was extremely skilled he was the comparison at the draft for eric goodbranson he was he was oh, a unicorn Jesus. he was a unicorn he was interesting a unicorn. the seattle we... kraken have retired number 32 yeah for the this, 32 this team happened, yeah, and i remember when the they did that and, and everyone laughed at it um, but yeah, Billy, who really okay, cares? Wait, though? I actually this is a the this wild... is an interesting one. Uh, you could make the argument for this player being an enforcer, which is very interesting considering that we're talking about a goalie. <laughs> Ron Hextall, Billy Smith. Yeah, Billy <laughs> Smith. Billy Smith. He hated everybody. <laughs> he was he was a motherfucker. Yeah, but yeah, like. Guys, I, I mean, I've been deep diving while we're here. The mm-hmm. closest I could find to a reti- an enforcer within a retired number was Dave Schultz, who is in the Philadelphia Flyers Hall of Fame, but his number is not retired. So, like, yeah, so that doesn't even count. Like, Ottawa's just like reaching into the bottom of the barrel here. Like, we got to honor Smith, somebody. Billy Smith had four hundred and seventy-five penalty minutes, which is a I lot. I feel like for it would be goalie. if it it would be different if it was like Nashville. Nashville doesn't have any retired numbers. They're going to retire Rene's number this year, I believe. Yeah, but it's not currently in the in the rafters. <laughs> they didn't retire Mike Fisher or David Legwand. Well, I, those Mike guys Vernon. played for other teams. Not Mike Vernon. Um... Those guys didn't play a thousand games for the Predators. You know. What about Mark Ribeiro? Mike Ribeiro. He. I mean, you don't want to be associated with that guy, let alone retire his number. Yeah. What but... did I say? Mark Ribeiro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that guy's kind of uh, he doesn't not a deserve good guy. his real Peter name. Forsberg for a minute, Paul Korea for a minute. Peter Forsberg played for Nashville, yep, yeah, yeah, Those towards the end of his career, yeah, yeah, towards the end pretty, of his career for like pretty a year. late, pretty late, sort of like how Aginla played for wow. the Avalanche. yeah, he, okay, Peter Forsberg played 17 games for Nashville, yeah. Um, Billy yeah. traded him to Nashville in the 0607 season. I want to. So see yeah, this like this is this ones. is just weird. Ottawa, you do have a rich hockey tradition. You don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah, like just stop. Yeah, come on. Like, like Jason put, him, put him in your Hall of Fame. Give him a great plaque. Have him come and like do Chris Neal night, and everybody wears Chris Neal on thirty or twenty five. You said it was on the back of their jerseys, and yeah, induct him into your Hall of Fame. Everybody will have a good time. You're just gonna get laughed at for retiring his number, and ultimately, I feel like you know them and their fans. They'll decide what they want to do, and what they want to do is ultimately the right thing to do. 
But yeah. if you don't want to get laughed at by us, don't do this. Right. I mean, like, look, it would have been a little different, like, if, you know, they'd won a couple cups and, you know, Chris yeah. Neal was the – like, you know, Udonis Haslam is going to go into the rafters of the soon-to-be-formerly yeah. FTX arena when he <laughs> right. finally retires. You mean, you mean three-time NBA champion Udonis Haslam? Thank you. Three-time three time NBA champion, two-time – uh, NCAA tournament champion. You know when yeah, no when they say when they say heat culture, they're just talking about Udonis Haslam, right? But like that's when like yes, there's going to be people like oh that guy's going into the rafters, but it's like three time champion, like minister of heat, right? Minister of heat culture. Like there is a re- like there's at least the argument you can make. Chris Neal's like I just played a lot yeah. of games. Yeah, like I don't think anyone would argue that Haslam belongs in. In the NBA Hall of Fame, no, no, no one's gonna. Make I don't know, but his jersey sure as hell deserves to be retired by the Heat. Yeah, yeah, no, but like, there's gonna be Chris people, Neal. and they and people will clown that like we're clowning this. Yeah, but the, even the difference then, is that I don't those feel people like, are dumb and wrong. Yeah, like this is the guy that, like we were saying, like the heartbeat of an organization that has won three championships, right. gone like, to another I, finals. I, I was gonna say Chris Neal arguably was the heartbeat of the Ottawa Senators. It's just that it was uh, a heartbeat not, that was... Not really, though. Like, was he ever the captain? I don't think so. I don't know if he ever wore a letter. I'm sure he wore a letter. Oh, wow. And Alex has lost power. So Holy shit. Uh, the hurricane's not even supposed to hit for another two days. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, I'm going to make sure I get a good screenshot of the position that his video is frozen in for posterity. <laughs> he's, he's having like a smoothie or something. It's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, um, TJ, that could be water. True. True. It could very well be water. It just kind of looks like a funky cup. But uh, Alex um, is gone. And now I am uh, holding the minion. The Predators, for 17 games of Peter Forsberg, the Predators gave up Ryan Parent, Scotty Upshaw, a first-round pick, and a third-round pick. That did not work out. For either team, I don't think. No. <laughs> hey, Siri, Panthers. show me a trade where everyone loses. Panthers legend Scotty Sorry, Upshaw, by the way. Heard me. Um, Panthers legend Scotty Upshaw, by the way, do not forget. True. So did we leave any uh, loose ends with the Panthers that we should tie up before we get to the last thing that we're going to talk about, which we're going to bring in Alex for that, obviously. Um, The Sams are back. The Panthers are about to go on a fucking heater because the Sams are back. Oh, Ekblad and Hornquist. Ekblad's coming back. Ekblad is set to return on Saturday the 12th uh, against Mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers. Great time for Ekblad to come back when Connor McDavid comes to town. Yep. Uh, you know, and also Patrick Hornquist is hurt. Uh, Patrick Hornquist suffered a concussion during a game. I think was it the LA game? Yeah, that was definitely LA. Definitely Uh, has been ruled out. And I don't want to say this in a way that it's going to come out as a positive, but the Panthers sure did get lucky with the timing of Hornquist's injury. And we just got Alex back as we're talking about as we Alex has mention, returned the Patrick from, from IR. <laughs> yeah. The Hornquist injury, which nope. you know, like it's it's so weird because I actually think that Oh no, we need to make space for Aaron Eckblad. 
We need to make the cap space for Aaron <laughs> sure, yeah. Ekblad. And our we don't know if he's going on LT though. year old. I'm sh- they're gonna fucking put him on LTIR. Like <laughs> even if it's just a, to give him a two week break, like they're gonna put him on LTIR. They're gonna put him on LTIR, and they're gonna fucking hold him there until April. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna be able to get away with that as much as I would love that. I don't know, Alex. Concussions are pretty serious. Yeah. The, the the issue is is that they've been saying, um, you know, it's not going to be long term. It's kind of hard to go from saying That's it's true, not going to be. How long-term. do you literally called long term injury reserve? Right. But how, I, how do you bring Hornquist back? Well, they got to do ready. twenty men again. Yeah, they got to go back to twenty men and Eric and Stahl. Yeah, Eric Stahl has to fucking hit the road. Well, he gets wait. He gets buried. He gets waved, sent to the AHL. And he doesn't report. Right. And he just stays practicing with the team. Which I believe is fine. I don't think that that, that, that there's an issue with that. But dad, I don't want Matt Kierstead to go back to the AHL. (laughs) Matt Kierstead is the only thing making Mark Stahl watchable. Well, Mark Stahl is watchable. Just not if you're a Panthers fan. Fair. The the degree to which Matt Kierstead is propping up Mark Stahl is kind of insane. This is one of those situations where like, this is like where we, how we tweet because you know, that's what the stats tell us. And it's what we should ultimately be projecting. Like it's going to be more popular. Is it ultimately true? Like there's nothing that we're missing here, right? It's, it's, it's not good with Mark Stahl, right? Yeah. Let's think for a minute. Uh, Mark Stahl was terrible. And then Ekblad got injured. Kirstead got called up. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, their results are better. And Matt Kirstead has been really good. Alex, what you looking at? Holy, we have another insane almost goal tonight. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. So, yeah, Hornquist, uh, Good luck with your recovery. Obviously, we don't want to wish injury upon anybody. It is just no, really but also take take as much time as you need for a full recovery. And now we get to see Alexi Hepaniemi play in the NHL a little bit, which is nice. He had good moments and not so good moments in the last game. And I feel like that that's what kind of makes him unique. You know, he's not your typical 13th forward, you know, the kind of guy that's just going to be okay at everything, jack of all trades, master of none type of player. Wow. Alexi Hapaniemi can make plays. He got an assist. He drew a penalty. <laughs> I know, right, Jacob? Holy shit. I can't say anything about Alexi Hapaniemi right now that you guys are going to listen to, so I got to watch this. <laughs> but uh, did you guys have any I've... thoughts? I've never seen a puck go that close to being. <laughs> oh my God. You guys are right. Yeah. And like, um, this would have been a goal for a which team? Fucking thread. I have no idea, but like, oh my God. Oh, that must have been a goal that because the Rangers lost by one goal and you can see some orange on the goalie jersey. So this must have been an almost Rangers goal, which would have been very important because this was a one goal Islander win. I have never yeah. seen a puck that close to going in the net, but not actually go in the net. Wow. There Ever. was uh back in, maybe it was the year that the Capitals won the cup. Maybe it was a previous year that there was like a parallax view goal yeah. that everybody thought crossed the line. That, that was Calgary. The year that was Calgary. Well, there, there, there was that in 2004, but there was also something with Pittsburgh and Washington. Cause I remember it, it, people were tweeting about it. 
which would not have been possible. Yeah, in but 2004. that, but that one, but those goal, those parallax goals, like you can't really know for sure. Like that was this one, we know for sure. Like, yeah, it was ooh. like, uh, you know, a hair, a pubic hair away from being a goal. <laughs> a pubic hair of an ant. Yeah, that that close. My God. Uh, we're referring to something that happened in the Ranger Islander game. We will, I will tweet it out. Thank you, tomorrow. entomologist T.J. Peterson, for your commentary on that goal, or that no goal rather. Yeah, just like wow. Uh, also, just because we you know we're going around the NHL, Slavkovsky's going to get. Sus- Got to be the youngest player to ever get suspended, right? <laughs> That's pretty funny. I honestly didn't see the incident, but you know, props to the kid for uh, making an impact, even if it's not a good impact <laughs> you guys now have a link to the i found i found a meme that perfectly describes tj while watching the panthers except that it's for the islanders what does it say oh oh like hey the islanders won at the end and like complete existential misery for the two and a half hours the game is going on yeah pretty much <laughs> i love that one it's really the three, good. the three stages are oh boy am i excited to watch my favorite team play followed by i'm going to kill myself followed, <laughs> followed by nice we won yeah, the Islanders are a really interesting team this year. They could be this year's Rangers because the, the stats are not there, but they have Ilya Sorokin. And the people who know, know that Ilya Sorokin is fucking legit. He's crazy. Alex, back me up on this. Ilya Sorokin. Yeah, Sorokin's Ilya crazy. He's, he's, he's almost as good as Igor Shesterkin. Yeah, and over the last three years... I looked this up. I, I may have been the three years previous to this current one because, you know, the sample size this year is so small. The two highest goalies in save percentage at all situations, Ilya Sorokin and Igor Shesterkin. So, yeah, like this is a thing. Like the two Russian goalies playing in New York, playing in big rivalry games against one another. This is pretty cool. Like, let's enjoy this moment. Let's enjoy this as hockey fans. It's it. We may look back on it in twenty years and being like, "That was really special," because those guys were at the very top of their game. Yeah, the New York goalie duel of the next fifteen years. It's going to be. Yeah, and and maybe the Islanders are going to be quasi competitive this year. Like, I'm not going to quite buy it not, yet, not but like, year. they're winning. Like, that's I can't deny that they're winning. Like, I can deny that like they will continue winning, but like. You know, right now, they look like they're kind of in the race. Cut this, but I just found a really funny tweet, and we were talking about the heat, so it's worth reading. Okay. Running it back with washed-up candidates without making any adjustments. Who do Florida Democrats think they are? The Miami Heat? They're pretty good. That's pretty good. It's It would be funnier if it was like they brought in some guy that was like mediocre for the magic as kind of like Chris being a former Republican. I'm just trying to make the metaphor work better. Anyway, I mean it works pretty well as it is. Let's uh also Hornquist was on the ice this morning, apparently. Let's uh let's talk about Mitchell Miller for a second. All right, so we're gonna close out the episode with uh still a hockey topic, but the the most serious one. I I do feel like there's a good consensus on this, so we don't necessarily need to be like a leading voice or like feel like our opinion is needed in this space but it is always good like 
there's one or two people that maybe we can clarify this for, like why the situation is where it is and why everybody feels the way they feel about it. And we're referring to uh, Mitchell Miller, who was a player that was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes, I believe in 2020, and uh, later was rescinded. The team rescinded his rights because of an incident that he was involved in, which we will talk about after I describe what happened this week. Uh, because this week he was signed by the Boston Bruins to a two-year entry-level deal. And he was released two days later, I believe. Has to be and, one of the shortest-lived contracts in NHL history. Well, it, it's still technically going contracts. on. He's, yeah. It's technically still going on. Like, they haven't figured out how they're going to do it. Like, clearly he's not going to be a part of the Bruins organization. And I doubt he's ever going to be part of any NHL organization because he's oh, a person, lawyer. <laughs> marriage, oh, is a, marriage is a contract and you can annul that contract can you yeah, annul the, an nhl contract in the same way no because there's this collectively bargained agreement that changes the rules of everything so it even though he's technically not an nhl player that contract is still governed by the collective bargaining agreement um it was signed and it was processed and approved by the NHL, despite them saying he was ineligible to play in the NHL. So, I thought the whole thing or part of the whole thing was that it wasn't approved by the NHL. No, the it contract, was. the contract, contract was, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I kind of like that the NHL approved it because <laughs> it makes them look bad. It yeah. make, well, it makes them look. I mean, I, well, actually, no. I I take that back because now Mitchell Miller is going to get money for that he does not deserve and whatnot, even if it's not much. Probably, money. yeah. So but it's, it, it won't be much, yeah. Right. Um. Either way, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Boston Bruins just stepped in it so hard. Like, what yeah. were you thinking? Yeah. So, like I was saying, like we do kind of want to explain in our opinion, like why this situation was as messed up as it was. And so, so Mitchell Miller was involved with this kid. I believe his name was Isaiah. We mm -hmm. don't necessarily need to talk about who exactly this kid was. Cause ultimately he was an ordinary kid who definitely didn't deserve what happened to him. Miller, this was a, a kid that was black, maybe mixed race, but definitely people viewed him as black or at least partially black and this was a kid that had some sort of disability he's a, he's like autistic. he had he had trouble socializing and it was evident to everybody so miller like falsely kind of offered him a hand like would would interact with him but a lot of the time almost all the time it was cruel bullying there was one incident where he put a lollipop, Mitchell Miller put a lollipop into a bathroom, like a urinal, <laughs> and then forced Isaiah to lick it. So he had to get tested for various STDs and stuff, which is just a horrible experience. I mean, there was way more stuff that I, I don't know the specifics of, but like clearly racist, like the N-word is being used. And while this happened, when Miller was only... 16 14, 14. Could have been, was 14 he was 14 yeah, could have been, yeah he was which 14. for all the people who who take the side of we all make mistakes as a kid yeah um, this is the part were you really a matters. racist bully when you were a kid yes and look 
by forcing, I, I knew not to be racist, and yeah. I knew not to make children, uh, other other classmates mm-hmm. with special needs. Yeah, I don't want to be like lollipops that I dipped in a urinal. Like that's a shitty thing to do, no matter what age you are. There's a, like a short list of obvious things that also like are wasn't different a one between time incident. This yeah, was it like, wasn't a one time incident. He was persistently bullying this kid in a racist way, like clear malintent. He was charged criminally in juvenile court, found guilty. So like this is indisputable that he did this stuff. There's no gray area here. He admitted to, well, he admitted to the single incident with the lollipop. Okay. But, but the other stuff yeah. is, is, is it's uh, well substantiated. Documented. Yes. It's not being made up. And and the one thing I want to point out for the people who it's like, well, people can change. They absolutely can. Yes. You know who hasn't done anything to change? Mm-hmm. Mitchell Miller. Yeah. Like I mean, the bar is pretty low here in terms of what I think that he would have to do to be able to play in the NHL now. The things that he would have to do for me to forgive him. While I think it would be totally possible for him to achieve those things it's a way higher bar than he would need to reach to play in the NHL, in my opinion. And those things would probably include, you know, talking to some organizations that preach, you know, equality and work towards equality in the sport of hockey and other organizations in this community and do these things without being ordered by a court to do them and continue to do them and, you know, have a good reputation among these organizations and have, sort of seeing the light in a way to understand why what you did was so heinous. And I'm not asking him to become, you know, a green party activist and, you know, tell everybody about Greenpeace and global warming and, you know, become totally woke. Like that doesn't have to happen. But at the same time, like this is so obviously evil. And like you, you made somebody's life a living hell and Based on your actions, seems like the only thing that you care about doing to make the situation any better is stuff that will help you play in the NHL. No, there there he, doesn't he seem to be any of that. Yeah. He didn't do any of that. He didn't even he do any it. of the stuff that he needs to do to play in the NHL. He tried to apologize on Instagram. He lied in a public about post. It. He hasn't even reached out directly to the victim. Supposedly, supposedly he tried Allegedly. to reach out directly on <laughs> Instagram. I think that the the victim's mother said that he tried to do that, but like, on come on, that's Instagram. that's so half-assed. Like Instagram. The, a phone call is the very least that you owe somebody. You could offer to meet up in person. I feel like that would be the best thing to do. You show up at that kid's front door and you beg forgiveness. You beg. Yeah. That's the start. You yeah. terrorized a special needs kid take yeah. take out the racist component about it you literally terror terrorize someone who has a mental condition that causes them to trust people who are nice to them so when you faked being nice to him he would trust you and then you would shit on him and then yeah almost literally and then you would do it again a week later and he would fall for it every time because he has a mental condition that causes him to trust people mm-hmm. and what you know it's wrong with you there are there are people that i feel like have done similar things to what miller did when he was you know 
a high school kid, a middle school kid, and they've seen the light and they've worked in their adult lives towards never doing anything, let alone never doing anything like that again, but like also working in their communities to try to cut out other acts and like let people know just like how wrong doing something like that is and how much damage it does. And that's the very least that Mitchell Miller needs to do to be a public figure. Cause let's be honest, anybody in the NHL is a public figure. I know athletes will say that they don't want to be role models too bad. You are, that's mm -hmm. part of the job. You're getting paid a whole lot of money to do it. So you, you got to take that one thing in. don't be a ginormous POS. It's really not too much to ask. And this is, he, he just can't get there. And he doesn't deserve this platform. He doesn't deserve this kind of money to play a game. It's a privilege. It's not a right. And he does not have the privilege. And I, I think it's, it's really not that complicated when you, when you break it down, like people, and I'm a big believer in second chances. I think that you guys would probably agree that you believe in second chances. You got to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, to bring up a, a situation with the heat, Myers Leonard, he said something despicable on his, on his Twitch feed in frustration, but he said something despicable. He got ostracized from the NBA, but what did he do? As soon as the cameras turned off, he went and met That's with Jewish communities. He yeah. went with, met with Jewish communities. He studied, he asked, he asked questions. He said, what? I know what I said was hurtful. Show me what I, how I need to learn. So I never make this mistake again. And then went and did it and did it again and did it again after the cameras were off. That's yeah. the big thing to me about the Myers Leonard situation. As as a Jew, obviously when all that stuff came out, I was extremely upset. But after the public apology, he went dark for months and then came back with this report of like all of the things he did to make amends and the fact that he did none of it with the public eye on him he did it all in the dark he did it all because that's what he was supposed to do and not just because people were watching mm -hmm. it's far more than mitchell miller ever did and that's with like i obviously what myers lenders did was awful yeah but there's there's levels between saying a slur on a twitch stream and like abusing somebody you can see the material harm that you're doing to that person it's it's happening right in front of your face and you're getting enjoyment out of it there's yeah. levels and that is well below in my opinion and you know jake you could tell me if i'm off base but like yeah you got to work even harder than myers leonard did i feel like yeah, at least well, in my opinion yes we're, we're in the kyle beach situation all over again yeah like you terrorized. Yes, you didn't sexually terrorize this person, but you terrorized. Yeah, this it was pretty person. close. I mean, they had to get the STD tests. Yeah, you terrorize this person, and then you think that oh, I apologized, and I'm willing to meet with you know these people after I get an NHL contract to make it seem like I care now. Yeah, and it, his agency like lying about what he was doing. It's just a cherry on top. It's, yeah, it's just. This this one I feel like it, it it's pretty 
open and shut. And, you know, we talk about Myers Leonard, Michael Vick, another athlete who yeah. did something horrible, worked in the background without the public eye on him to make amends, had a successful career. There's other examples of people that Tim, have totally Tim Hardaway. Yeah. Tim Hardaway. He had the very, very homophobic uh, statement on the Levitard show when John Amici came out as gay. And he was, it was one of like, it was a tirade in terms of like, I hate gay people. I don't want to be around gay people. Like, I don't want them in my locker room. He was like ostracized from the NBA community, went like, went dark and did it basically did what Myers Leonard did, figured out what, you know, he did wrong. And he is now an advocate for the LGBTQ community. And like, you know, he's, you know, I finally rehabbed his image enough that he's taking his rightful place in the NBA Hall of Fame. But like people came out and were like, no, you can't put this guy in the Hall of Fame. Look what he did 10 years ago. And like people like John Amici had to come out and be like, no, man, like this guy did the work. He's sorry. And, you know, I mean, we, we've gone way further into this than we we wanted to but like yeah the long the long and short of it is like people like um tim hardaway michael vick uh myers leonard they did the work when the cameras were off to show that they actually realized the error of their ways right mitchell miller made an instagram post go fuck yourself two weeks before signing an nhl contract and all the court mandated stuff like, wasn't yeah, he can probably be reintegrated into society. I'm not saying lock him away, but, you know, like I said, NHL player, that's a privilege, not a right. And uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised to the way the hockey community reacted to this and the way the Bruins reacted to this. Especially, they yeah, credit. they deserve and credit. Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand coming out and being like, and yeah, Nick Foligno. we don't want this kid on our team. Well, I mean, they were very <laughs> diplomatic about it early on, but they were like the when 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 your captain is saying, "Yeah, we have mixed feelings," like you're just like that right. was as tepid of a response right. as you're going to get. The captain giving a response other than Mitchell Miller did some bad things, but he's a good kid. Everyone deserves a second chance, and we're looking forward to having him in the locker room. Like, yeah, the that's most closest... hand hockey answer. The fact that Bergeron said mixed feelings implying that someone is not a fan yeah that's as close to a uh yeah that's as close (laughs) to an open revolt you're going to get in the hockey community like from from players against the organization that's as close as you're going to get yeah and what was what was brad marchand's statement props props to all of them who knows but people in the bruins organization and i don't feel like we need to talk about this in depth i thought marchand came out way Nick Felino um, was the one that was like really shooting flames. That he was really spitting flames. But um to to all the people the the Cam Neelys and the I can't remember the name of the GM that just like don't Don take Sweeney. responsibility for just completely misreading this situation whether it was willfully or not. Like just own up to it. You you, you have to and everybody's looking to pass the buck in this situation, and that is disappointing. But props to the players on the Bruins. I don't feel like everybody needs to boo them and root against them because the players had nothing to do with this. The management deserves a little bit of your ire. But overall, a little bit of a positive for the hockey community because, you know, the journalists and the general community, like, 
I expected way more people to be like, oh God, cancel culture. When will you people just get over it? And I yeah. it, like, there's always going to be those people, but I felt like it was a minority in this case. And that was, that was good to see. Yeah. I, I, for the record, um, I don't, I don't know if Brad Martin made a public statement, but what it was that I saw was the Chris Johnston tweet uh, that said, let it be noted that Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and other players stood up in opposition to a morally bankrupt decision by management. Close enough. We'll, we'll, full marks. Um, yeah. I, I, mean, I love seeing Bergeron yeah. and Marchand both on that list. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I made the joke that Marchand probably liked it just because I don't like Brad Marchand, but See, yeah, TJ, TJ convinced me of something very fair earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Um, it is entirely unfair to love Matthew Kachuk so much and continue hating Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand, off it's the hypocritical. Ice, off the ice, is kind of a kind of a good guy. Yeah, fair. apparently, uh, he called some of the January sixth interactionists like he called them out for being racists. He he's also like been very like anti homophobia on his Twitter feed. Like he's called some homophobia out. Like Brad Marchand seems like an all around solid guy. Also, Fair Jonathan so... Huberto was injured. Yeah, wow. he did not play tonight. Oh, geez, that yeah, the the flame situation is really getting weird. I think it's just bounces and bad luck because they seem to be fine underlings wise. Yeah. But they are 0-4 and 2 in their last six. So that is kind of uh, worth worth watching yeah, out for. Let's not the go down that and the We're flames. already almost at two hours on this on this episode. Yeah, this the a little bit of trouble in paradise. Both uh I think both the flames will be fine though. On sure, but the Sens and the Flames being bad at the same time just warms my heart right now. Well, oh, yeah. the Panthers are also kind of on a not really a slump though, because it's like five hundred. I'm sorry, the Panthers, know, run, the Panthers are on a two-game winning streak. That's one right. game. No, yeah, you're right. Two out of three. Two. They won two out of three. Oh, right. The back-to-back was LA and Anaheim. Fuck, I'm not doing well today with my recalling of how this Canadian road trip went. Okay, to be fair, you know how Alex said that he was drunk and that's why he didn't remember whatever the fuck from whatever game we were talking about earlier? I spent all weekend staffing a youth group convention, so by the time that the 10 o'clock puck drops rolled around, I was already exhausted and still managed to stay up for most of these games. So, like, I get a pass. So, Jake, in in honor of the convention that you were staffing this weekend, give us Gentiles a good place to rate us five stars for uh, Uh, your people. What do you mean, Uh, your people? Rate us five stars on templebethel.org. I I don't know. What about J-Date? Yeah. Rate us five stars on J-Date. Fuck. Yeah. Can I do a swipe right on J-Date or is that not? Yeah, swipe right on Panther Pre on J-Date, but not on Jake because he's taken. Fair. So is Alex. Yes. Yeah. And I'm Alex not is married I'm, with a child. And another on the way. And I'm not Jewish. Breaking news, by the way. Alex is second child on the way. Alex, you're you're in your second trimester. How are you feeling? Fat. <laughs> well, good luck to you. Uh, and the missus, obviously, you're not the one that's pregnant. And to Tommy for being a big Rate us five stars and swipe right on us on J-Date. And bye-bye, baby. Bye-bye, baby. Talk to you next time. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.